My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. Hello, today's episode of Just a Mom is featuring my good friend Alice. Alice, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. I'm glad we finally got it done. Me too. Sometimes it takes a little while to get our schedules together for some silly reason. (laughs) So Alice, would you just start off by telling me a little bit about your family, please? That could take a while, actually. Well, we have a large family. Um, Should I be specific? Just say how many kids you have, how many grandkids. We have seven grandkids. children and 27 current grandkids with two more on the way and uh, they're all close in age both the grandchildren and the children excellent so as you were raising these kiddos that must have been I didn't know you when most of your kids were still at home so that must have been um, kind of a three-ring circus at times it was but I I think that's what I was made to do. I loved every minute of it. It was it was a juggling act, a three-ring circus, a trip to the ER, but I, I loved it all. I loved it all. So tell me a little bit about um, your child who had mental health problems and how maybe that started. Well, I I think a lot about how it might have started or if it was my fault or when it started. But, you know, I think there was always something different from the beginning. From six weeks of age, there was something different. I could see something Mm. different. Like what? Like um, rebellious, headstrong, defiant, but at the same time, usually sweet and loving, but... Just, I think the the best word is defiant. Okay. So from birth, you say, you kind of saw... Maybe six weeks. Okay. Six weeks when you couldn't get him in his car seat. Wow. That's pretty young <laughs> to be defiant. <laughs> yeah. So then when would you say things really started manifesting? When he started school, like I had never gotten any calls from school before I had never had teachers say anything except you know she talks too much she's social but early calls like kindergarten Mm. like we can't get him to do what we want when he gets finished with his work or we can't we can't get him out of the tree on the playground or Mm. those sorts of things never problems with peers just problems with authority okay and this is your youngest child so right. you've, you've been around the parenting block a few times at this point yes and I and I thought I was pretty good at it until mm-hmm. I got him and then I was like oh my gosh I don't I don't have a clue <laughs> <laughs> I think we all think that most of the time so you're you're way ahead of the rest of us who thought you were pretty good at it because I think you were good at it so anyway moving on so when would you say that the kind of the big mental health crises started well I think probably in adolescence 12 13 what did you see then the rebellion became more not little things it was things like getting in real trouble at school, um, having to go before a judge, just very, um, very disruptive. Destructive? Not destructive. Um, borderline, borderline illegal behaviors, selling 
things at school that shouldn't be sold at school. Just, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, crossing the line all the time with everything. And at that point, did you think, okay, there's some mental health issues going on or you you thought it was strictly this is a rebellious child I just thought it was a rebellious child at that time I wasn't even tracking that he could be rebelling because there was something going on in his head it wasn't I wasn't tracking that so when did you when did that manifest and when did when you did say, I okay. start <laughs> thinking it was mental uh-huh um well, concurrently with that, I had a daughter who was very, very ill, and I felt like I had deserted him to care for her and that he was just rebelling because I mm-hmm. had deserted him. I hadn't really, but but, you you know, feel that but I felt that way. And um, then he started getting into real trouble, real um real serious trouble and I once again just thought he was rebelling but we did make him go to a counselor and the counselor kind of said oh no 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 he's he's got other issues that need to be resolved other mental health or right just right. and how old was he at that point 14 or 15 okay and he was self-medicating okay. and um you know, just doing bad things. <laughs> and self-medicating is not an uncommon thing. Right. No. So. And it was, it was, um, as far as I was concerned, I, I thought it was just minimal, but he was really, really good at hiding it. Mm. As a, a lot of them are very good. Um, actually he was growing his own product in my backyard. Okay. <laughs> And it was illegal at that time. Yes, right? it was illegal. And I laughed because uh, I thought he was gardening, and he was. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I mean, it's funny I can now, laugh now. Right. I can laugh of now. Of course. Yeah. Well, and that's the the beauty of hindsight and looking back. So, so he's been told at the age of fourteen that there are some underlying mental health issues. He's growing his own product in the backyard, um, other things that he's getting in trouble with at school. Um, how would he, how was he relating to his peers? Um, well, the ones that he related to were worse than him. Okay. So he, you know, he gave up, he gave up athletics. He gave up any interest in anything really. I mean, his school was a very smart kid, but his school was disastrous. We sat on the edge of our seats at graduation wondering if he'd even mm. graduate. Uh, but his peers, he he's, he's very sociable, so he had friends. They just weren't worthy friends. Okay. I mean, weren't friend, they weren't friends you would... I mean, they were worthy because they were his friends and he loved them, but they weren't friends a parent would pick. So these are other kids who had trouble. Who brought him down. Okay. Brought him down. To Not life-giving. No. Life-sucking. No. Just, they just did it all together. You know, okay. they, just, they just were bad together. Okay. Yeah. So he, let's go back again. Sorry. I, we keep going off track, which is fine. Um, the counselor said, I think there's some other mental health issues. What did you do with that information? Well, you know, they they felt like it was depression and they wanted to use medication and he didn't like the medication. It made his stomach feel weird. It made this feel weird. So he was very noncompliant. And so then, you know, he just, he didn't take it and then he got worse. Everything got worse. So it got worse in what way? What did that look like? Um... Then he added other other things, you know, alcohol, other drugs. Um, you know, we he couldn't keep a job, and you know, just just one thing on top of another, you know, and and we tested all the time, and he was really good at um, sabotaging the testing. You know, he mm-hmm. he knew how to make it look like he was clean and sober and we we bought things for him as an incentive for him mm-hmm. to quit and you know it just was mostly it was just in our face all the time and this point he's out of high school 
or um, sort of towards the end of high school? When it really got bad, he was, yeah, he was probably the the worst came. The worst came really when he got out of high school. Somehow high school kind of reeled him into a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was running with the worst, but it kind of reeled him in. Like he knew he had to graduate high school. Okay. So somehow he was able to do that. But then after that, he he didn't go to college. He oh, yeah. Had, he went to he, mini college. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me about that, if you would. <laughs> well, um he went to several colleges, and as we look back, we're not sure he ever went to any of them. Okay. Like, uh, we'd buy his books, he'd sell his books, I'm sure, to, to buy drugs. And um, it just, from then on, it just spiraled to the point where I was positive we were going to lose him. Mm. I braced myself for any nighttime call that we were going to lose him, that, you know, that he was going to die. Were you afraid of a drug overdose or of suicide? Was he suicidal? Yeah, there was a couple of times when he when he wasn't living with us that he called and said, I've got to come over. I'm thinking of killing myself. And um, there were times when I just thought he'd kill himself accidentally, mm-hmm. like driving, um you know, we have guns, they're all locked up, and we double lock them up. But um, I didn't, I thought his suicide attempts were more, he never attempted, he only talked. And I thought they were more just begging for help. Mm-hmm. So we got him really good help. And as usual, he went along with it for a few weeks, and then he just Stopped. Stopped. Mm-hmm. When you say really good help, what do you mean? Was he inpatient hospitalized or? Once for two days. Um, and then he was old enough that he could check himself out. Once because he was schizophrenic from drug overdose or drug use that caused schizophrenia, mm-hmm. drug-induced schizophrenia. and um, But a really, really good psychologist and a... We went through several psychiatrists, some of them not so good, mm-hmm. but finally found one that she was just really good. And, and he went, but I think he just played the game. I think he just knew how to con them and con us. I don't think he ever bought in to what they were saying. Why do you think that is? Um, just because of his personality. I think I think for him... He still was defiant against, he was rebellious against everybody. He he always knew more than anybody else. He knew more about himself. He knew more about the world. And he just was defiant. And until the point when he decided to make a change, the rest of them were just faking us out. He just was really, in fact, one time, I went to a session with his counselor, and he had stolen from me, which was a con- common thing that he mm-hmm. stole from me. For drugs. For drugs. Money, whatever. Mm-hmm. Things that he would sell of mine, mm-hmm. you know, things that, bizarre things mm-hmm. that he would sell. But um, I, I went to the counselor, and the counselor said to me, you know, an addict will just lie to your fate. I said, like, I'm his mother, and he loves me. But they'll just lie to your face because they love what they're doing more than they love you. Mm. And at this point, everybody except me, his aunt, and his father had washed their hands of him. Everybody. So none of your other kids were even communicating with him? They wouldn't come when he was around. Mm. They wouldn't let their children be around him. Um, And he's a good uncle. Uh, But... Um, no, they, they were like done. They -hmm. were done and they were done mostly because of seeing what he did to us. Sure. You know, and I don't even really know how our marriage survived because Mm. one time I'm being really, really hard and my husband's being a softie or one time he's Mm -hmm. being a softie and I'm being the hard person. It, It was like we couldn't get on the same plane, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my questions is how did that affect your marriage? Well, 
it affected it. I I have I mean it, it's not it, it wasn't a long term effect because we've been married fifty two years, but it was really difficult. There was a lot of arguing, and there's a lot of neither one of us could understand the other one's point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I I perceived how deep the problems were. And my husband was just like, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys. You know, he's going to sow his wild oats, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it was really difficult, really, really difficult. Mm. So at this point, you said you, your sister, his aunt, Mm -hmm. and your husband are the only one in having any kind of communication with him. And how old was he at that point? Probably 20, 21. Okay, so this had been going on for A long many time, years. since 14. So, wow, that's a long time. During those years and times, how did you take care of yourself? Well, one of my favorite activities was to go out back and throw plates at a shed. Wow. <laughs> that You know, that's a new one. I haven't heard anybody say that before. When I was just at my wits end, um, well... Mm. I, I spent a lot of time with a pastor that was both, he both understood it because his son had done the same thing and he understood it because he was just a really caring minister. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with him. I spent a lot of time in prayer groups. I I went to a support group at our church, which I'm trying to think of the name of, not, not Al-Anon, but another... Oh, um, N.A., Narcotics Anonymous? Mm-mm. No. No, it was just a, it was for all kinds of addicts and their families. Okay. It'll come to me. But anyway, no it was very helpful. But sometimes when you get in those support groups, people just want to whine and complain. And this mm. one in particular was helpful. There mm. were people who said, you know, do this. I I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time praying for him. and And I never quit loving him. I always... I would make meals for him. There was a point where we had to finally kick him out of our house um, because the only way we could have a relationship with our other children was for him not to live at our house. Mm-hmm. So we had to kick him out. And um, But I always you know, made meals and let him know I loved him. And um, the way my husband let him know he loved him was he took up a sport he'd never done before to be with him. Mm. So, um, you know, I knew we couldn't quit loving him, Mm -hmm. but sometimes he was very unlovable, Mm. very, very unlovable. Was there ever a time that you thought about cutting off all communication with him? Um, There was not communication, but there was a time. So like many times I would just say, I can't, I can't heal him. Somebody else will heal him. You know, God, he's yours. But then I would take him back. I would mm. say, you know, now he's mine. Take, I'm taking him back. And and but then there was a time near the end when I was like, you know, I'm done. I've washed my hands. I can't do this. I have to carry on my life. And um, I decided that if he died, you know, maybe that this is a horrible thing to say. But I thought if he died, maybe he'd at least be at peace. Mm. You know, there'd finally be peace in him. Mm-hmm. But. No, I never quit. And I have a place on my refrigerator. If you ever come to my house and you're there, it means you're in trouble because there's a special spot on my refrigerator where if you're there, that means I just pray double hard for you. Mm. So um, he was there for a long Mm. time. So you said toward the end. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, um. The end culminated in a couple of really bizarre events. One was he drove straight through to California without stopping. Mm. And um, we were like, well, you can just get yourself home. We're not going to, you know, you can't. He was too old to deal with. And then the other one was he stole a credit card and and, uh, went to Hawaii and... um, at that point, I was like, well, he stole a credit card and paid his paid his way to Hawaii on my credit card and then got there and was scared and wanted to come home. And that's when I really, really 
dug deep and said, you know, I'm done. I'm done with you. You can figure it out. And then bizarre things happen because his older brother, who has never done anything wrong in his whole life, said, I'm going to go get him. Hmm. And I said, well, if you go get him, he was homeless in Hawaii. And uh, I said, if you go get him, he's yours. I'm not. Hmm. He, you have to. He's yours. So he didn't. And then eventually he begged and begged and begged and his dad caved in and, and let him come back. And then that was when his life kind of changed, you know. So how old was he then? I'm trying to think. I think maybe 23, 24, something like that. So this had been going on for the better part of 10 years. Almost 10 years, yeah. He had been homeless. Twice homeless, once here in the city and once in Hawaii. He'd cut off, or his siblings had all but cut off every mm -hmm. communication with him. You had decided you were finished. And then your husband got him home. And what happened? Well, he reunited with a girl that he had actually been dating before. And actually, it's the reason he went he went away um i think they broke up or or i don't really know all the details but somehow he reunited with her and she told him she wouldn't be with him unless he got sober and then he went to aa and um he's been sober clean and sober now for over 10 years so wow yeah so he went to aa he got sober. He he was living with you at this no, point? He no, he was living with this girl, with okay. this person. And what about his, the mental health piece? Because the drugs started as a self-medication. He, he became compliant in taking um, meds for depression. Um, he still self-medicated with herbs and coffee and you know, he's still an addict. He's mm. still an addict, but he has been clean and sober for well over 10 years. I think it's, a, I think this fall it will be, I used to acknowledge it every year and then I quit, but I think it's 11 this fall. Which is amazing. Yes, very amazing. <laughs> and, and, I, and I tell him constantly how proud I am of him. And when I tell him, he always cries and I think he's so ashamed, but he's never, you know. I don't think he remembers half of what he did. So, mm. so he, is he still on medication mm -hmm. for his depression? Right. Some, not as much. Some, yeah. You referred to a drug-induced schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Can't, he called and he called and uh, said he needed to come over because he was thinking of killing himself. And he came over, and, and we were watching TV, and he went up and turned the TV off, and he said, you can't watch TV because they're going to come out and control your mind. Mm. Those people are going to—I I don't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. But might have been a news show or something, and he, you, can't, you can't do that. They're going to come out, and they're going to control your mind. And, and, and um, he was just being totally irrational. And I called my sister, who's a nurse and has some psychiatric experience, and she said, oh, Alice, he's, he's having schizophrenia. You need to get him in. And we did, and uh, it was drug-induced, and he couldn't remember even what drugs he had taken. Mm. So so how long did that last? Um, days, two days to a week, something like that. I don't know. I can't even remember mm. what they did, whether it was just the getting the drugs out of his system. I can't mm -hmm. remember, but it was it was very scary. Very scary. Was there ever a time during that hospitalization that you know, the doctors or the nurses said this might not be a temporary? Right. They did. Uh-huh. And there's there's shades there are shades even still of, what should I say, just of him not thinking the way, just not normal thinking. Mm -hmm. But in general, he, he has a really good life. He has a really good job. He's married. He has children. Um, in general, he has a really good life. I mean, I know none of us are normal. Right. But... 
sometimes his thoughts don't make sense, but I'm sure sometimes my thoughts don't make sense too. (laughs) So you just hit on something. He's married. He has two children. He has a good job and he's doing really well. When he was 21 years old, would you have ever imagined that this is what his life would turn out to be? I I hoped and prayed it, but realistically, realistically, I really didn't think we'd have him. I really, I really thought that he would be gone. Mm. I thought either gone, like gone to a place where we didn't know where he was, like you know, so mm-hmm. deep in, so deep into mental illness and drugs and in that world. Or dead. I, mm-hmm. I honestly, for years, had prepared myself that he would die. Mm. Was that a like a self-protection mode or just like this is the reality of the situation? I think it was both. I think I, I've had several friends who have lost their children. And I think it was like this may be my realization and I honestly think I would have handled it better than my husband because I would have felt like he's at peace mm-hmm. and um, that, you know, that he, that, that God would not have rejected him even for all of his struggles. I mean, he was so damaged, but um, I think, and probably 50% of it was get ready. You know, just get ready. Mm. It's going to happen because we had calls sometime that I was sure was that's mm. what it was. You know, like calls from the police, mm-hmm. calls from you know, call, call from the police, call from his job. You know, mm. just just calls like that where you're like, oh, this is it. You know, did you get a lot of calls in the middle of the night? Yeah. Tell me how that was. A lot of calls, um, one from a girlfriend, one from um, a person who said they had taken him by ambulance Mm. to an ER because he'd gotten in a fight, which is not even his nature. Mm. He's not a physical fighter. He's a verbal fighter, but he'd probably talked too much and got his face caved in. Mm. And, um, yeah, just... Mm. Call from the police. Um, yeah, and every call I felt mm. like, every call. And then one, one time in the middle of the night, somebody knocked on our door, uh. and I w- it was a police officer, and I was positive this was it. And I opened the door, and he said, your garage door is open. Uh. And I was sort of like, well, thanks, but... In the me, you know, in the future, just let my garage door be open, because when you open the door at oh. two in the morning with a police officer at your door, you're positive that's it. But it wasn't. Wow, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Mm. So, when he was going through this ten-year period of mental illness, drug addiction. Did you talk to many people about what what was going on? Yeah, I'm sort of an open book. Um, I can go in the grocery store and you can ask me how I am and I'll tell you everything. <laughs> I wasn't ashamed. I just, um, you know, and, and I and I think everybody has problems and so many people don't share them. And, um, you know, people would say, Alice, you you look like a wreck. And I was like, well, I didn't sleep last night or, you know, no, I told the story. And a lot of my friends had similar stories, you know. Um, But um, a lot of people are perfect and they don't want to hear your story. You know, they think their life is perfect Mm. and they just don't want to hear it. So, and, and I, at that time, I think I felt like I was somehow a failure with him because Mm. My other kids were so successful. They were very successful. And then I thought, well, maybe it's because they're so successful that he's not, you know. Mm. But um, I know now that, you know, 
most of the time it's not any one thing that causes it. It's not just one thing. There's genetics and there's environment and there's just there's so much that causes it, you know. Right. Well, and if he had a cancer or, you know, a broken bone, no one would say, well, Alice, what did you do to yeah, cause exactly. that cancer? But, you know, I, I do think society really, really looks down their nose at those of us who have had mental illness in our family. It's like... Which is most of us, by yes. the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and why if, I'm doing this. If we be honest, it's most of us. Exactly. But, um, no, I'm going I'm to tell you a story, and I'm not going to use names, but when my son stole my credit card and went to Hawaii, left me his dog left me his car, left me his dog, which ended up biting somebody, and we had to go to court for it. Um, I had, I had, I say had, as if it was the most important thing in the world, but I had a golf tournament I had to play in, and I went ahead because I, you know, I couldn't do anything. There was nothing I could do at that point. So I went ahead and played golf, and um, there's something about being out in nature that always brings the tears out in me, and I... I was out there, and I just started crying, and this person said, what's going on? And I said, oh, my son stole my credit card and, and went to Hawaii. And, um, and she says to me, well, I'm just so happy that I have such great children. And um, I said, well, you should probably write cards for Hallmark <laughs> and quit because I couldn't play anymore. But... That's the kind of understanding that some people have, you know. They they don't understand. I don't know that they're... I, I have a very ill daughter, and I don't know that that was even as hard as having an ill son, mm. mentally ill son, because the, it causes such turmoil. It causes such turmoil... In your family, it causes turmoil in your life. It causes um, questioning and, you know, just it just causes turmoil. I'm really glad you brought that up because you you do have both. You had a chronically ill, you have a chronically ill child with a, a disease. And no one probably has ever asked you or your husband, what did you do wrong that caused that? physical ailment no and um but I, I do I I do find that the people who have little inklings that there might be something going on with their child little um the hidden hidden things they will approach me can can I can I talk with you and um they think I have all the answers Nobody has all the answers. Not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. Nobody has all the answers. But there are things that can help. Like, you know, my husband and I still went on dates and we still mm. mostly, you know, I I did the things that made me feel good. I gardened, I golfed, I played with my grandkids, I spent time with friends. Um there's nothing that will take the pain away, but mm -hmm. but you can't you can't wallow in it. Mm. You just can't wallow in it. Even mm. at its worst, you can't wallow in it. Mm. You know, and there is some there there are some times that are just the worst, mm -hmm. absolute worst. Mm -hmm. So um, my son was arrested right before one of his sister's weddings, and mm. um, just took the opportunity to tell my aged mother all about it. Hmm. And she just laughed and said, oh, you're just making that all up. Oh. <laughs> so it's like there's just I mean, it's I can't really think of much harder for a parent to go through. Mm -hmm. I really can't. Mm -hmm. And I and I have both comparisons. You do. And that I, I honestly hadn't even really thought about that until you started talking about it. That's like I think it's because there are concrete things there are concrete things that medical doctors can do. Yep. There are concrete things that medical doctors can tell you. You know, we can do this. We can do this. Um, we can't make it go away, but we can make it 
better. We can make it livable. But sometimes with mental illness, you wonder if it will ever, ever be livable, Mm. ever be fixed, Mm. you know, or you also wonder, will it pop back any day? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the part that's really scary. That was my next question. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're, you're great. I'm just going to sit here and let you talk because you're, you're answering everything that you hit on it. Like, do you think about it every day? Do you think? I think about it sometimes, but the time has been so long and for whatever reason, um, he seems to be on an even keel. I do think what happens if something catastrophic happens in his life, will that catapult him into it again? Mm -hmm. You know, um, he's highly, um, emotional about certain things. And you wonder, Oh my goodness, if that happened, like for instance, his sister who's ill, that always undoes him Mm. when she has another episode. And, um, Will that catapult him into it? Mm-hmm. I do think about it, but I don't dwell on it. I mm-hmm. just kind of try to enjoy the peace that we mm-hmm. have right now. Mm-hmm. You know? mm. Because for those years, there was no peace. Mm. For 10 years. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, at any point in time, like one of the things that I really remember about our darkest times just like feeling like I couldn't even breathe. Yeah, there were definitely those times. And there were times, like I told you, um, that I was angry. I was just Mm. so angry because we thought we had it under control. And then it it would just get worse. It would be worse than the time before. And that's when I would go out back and break dishes. Mm. They were old dishes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow, that's... That is a really... I've actually seen... I haven't seen these in a while, but... A few years ago, there were all these news stories on these places that had like old cars and you could take a bath. Yes. And because that's a really healthy way to get your. Well, I couldn't take my anger out on him Mm -hmm. and I couldn't take it out on my dogs I loved. And, you know, I I mean, but yeah, there was, there, it was just, um, you know, and, and here's something that I thought about a whole lot. You know, when you have children and they're they're little and they're so stinking cute and so precious and and you think, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna read to them, I'm gonna send them to school, I'm gonna love them, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna and then and then they're just gonna grow up and they're just gonna be wonderful people. And then there's just something really wrong when you've done all that mm. and and they don't. Mm. They don't grow up to be wonderful people. But he did. He did. He did. And that's and, and, the hope. Um, yeah. And I, um, one time way into his, way into his um, episodes or whatever it was, his, I, um, I told him, I said, Jordan, I don't know if you ever noticed when you're over here, but your picture's right up there on the refrigerator and it stays there. That's because I, it was a picture of him when he was really young. Mm. And I said, because that's the person that I know is inside you. Mm. That's the one that I know will come back. Mm. And, um, and, and for the most part, he has. For the mm. most part, he has. But I'm lucky. It doesn't happen to everybody. You know, I'm lucky. Does he still go to meetings for his addiction? No, he quit. Oh, maybe a couple of years ago. He went, as he said, mostly to help other people. But if we know somebody who's struggling, he's more than happy to talk with him. But he doesn't go anymore. But he feels like he has a solid handle on on his addiction. You know, and... we don't really talk about it. Yeah. We don't really talk about it. I, I When I know it's his anniversary time, mm-hmm. I always do something special, mm-hmm. like send him a card or call him or have a cup of coffee with him somewhere. But we don't talk mm-hmm. about it. It's sort of like we just let that mm-hmm. disappear. Yeah. You've so, moved on. Yeah. He's moved on. And I I feel like I would make him uncomfortable mm. if I talk about it. Mm-hmm. 
you said something when we were talking about at age 23, 24, when he decided he wanted to get better for the first Mm -hmm. time. And up until that point, he had manipulated, not taken medicine, self-medicated, et cetera. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Like, what was it? You said there was a girl involved. Yes, she wouldn't um, stay with Mm -hmm. him if he didn't get help. And I think that, um, I think she really understood how much he needed help. And she loved him. They're still together. Um, Hmm. But um, when he came back from Hawaii, he was still not he still wasn't stable mm-hmm. at all. And he said, you know, I, did he say, what were the words he used? I want to do something with my life. Mm. And I said, well, you're in control of that. I, I've tried to control it and I can't. So you're in control of that. And then maybe two or three weeks later, he, he was not living with us at the time. Actually, he was living with her, and he came over and he was crying, and he said, "I, I have to, I have to, um, I have to change." And I said, "Well, I can't do that either. You have to do that." Mm-hmm. And that's when he decided to go to AA. Mm. So, and then subsequently decided to take his medication, mm-hmm. and and he's. Um, you know, they always say you replace one addiction with another. Mm. And so now his addiction is church and um, Coke, Coca-Cola. Yeah, Coca-Cola. Not, <laughs> not Coke. <laughs> well, but there are. So I keep a stash of Coke. For sure. So he, that's something that I know with with Will's journey, we've talked, we talked a lot about that is he got better because he wanted to get better. I mean, it's so... We forced him into so much stuff, and he played the game with us because I guess he cared enough about us, or he was depend he was dependent on us at the time. But by the age that he got better, we had flat out cut him off because, mm. you know, we, he he would he would have taken every last cent we had mm. without any remorse. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't matter. You know, it just didn't That's matter. The drugs, for yeah. sure. But, um, you know, he had to get better. He had to get a job. And he couldn't keep a job because mm. of his addiction. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And I think he hit bottom. I think that's just mm-hmm. a trivial saying, but I think he hit bottom. I think he was, it was it. That was all. He had nowhere to go. It was over. How long did it take for you to trust him again? Um... Probably a year or two, at least a year, mm-hmm. probably at least a year, because I thought once again, he was just conning us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, but then I started seeing personality changes, mm. you know, I started seeing the caring, um, happy, happy mm. person come back, you know, and you hadn't seen that. No, no, just, years. just, just a very sh- shell of a person just Mm. like there wasn't like there was no soul in there it was just like this person who just was going through steps Mm. you also said that he married Mm -hmm. this girl that was the reason he decided to get clean and take care of his mental health so she knows the whole story yeah she knows it she lived it just like we did Mm. In fact, one of my nighttime calls was from her saying, mm. you know, you have to come get him. I, and I was mm. like, well, I will, but, you know, I don't want to. So, mm-hmm. mm. What advice would you give parents who might be looking at one of their children thinking something's not quite right here or... They're on to the next phase, the 13, 14-year-old phase, where he is, he or she is getting in trouble, grades are tanking. What advice would you give parents? Well, 
you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm looking backwards, but I think that, um, first of all, trust, you know, trust your instincts. If you think there's something wrong, Mm. there probably is. That's both with physical ailments and mental ailments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think parents are all, I should, I should qualify that. I think good parents are always the best judge of what's going on. So if you think in your gut something's wrong, I think early intervention, I mean, there's so many, there's so many ways to go about it, you know, from starting with a school counselor, which I never did. I never went to a school counselor. And, you know, they're qualified in certain respects and they're qualified to refer you. I never went and said, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you think, you Mm -hmm. know? And and I was I actually was a, I actually was ashamed to get professional help back mm. then. I actually was like I can do this, mm. you know. I have a degree. I'm a good mom. I've done it before. I can do this. But I would say if you feel like something's wrong, you know, maybe wait a few weeks. And if you still feel like something's wrong, just get a professional, a good professional. There's a lot of bad professionals. <laughs> get get. Um, advice from people, get referrals. If you don't like the person, don't go back. Get good help. Mm-hmm. Get it early mm. and get help for yourself because you are in for a ride. Mm-hmm. You are in for a ride. I would not have survived had it not been for this pastor, mm. my sister, my sister who would pick up the phone any time of the day and listen. And, um, and the counselor that my son went to, who would also counsel me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I think I, I, I probably, if you had asked me when I was 25, if I would ever go to a counselor, I would be like, why, why, mm. you know, I'm stable, you know, I'm, I've got faith, I've got this, but get a good counselor. It's, it's immeasurable in how they can help you deal with it, but also how they can help your child deal with it. Mm. You can't, I'm going to tell you, if it's to the degree of what we went through, you cannot do it on your own. Mm. You can't. And even if it's not to the degree that you went through, what's the, what's What's, the harm? Exactly. In getting some help. help. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, I mean, I never went to the counselor that I didn't leave feeling better and having a plan, Mm. you know, and just that power that you have some plan or what you're doing is validated. Um, You just need somebody to validate you because, you know, I almost felt like that mental illness was like a cold. And if I didn't do something about it, I was going to catch it, Mm. you know, because his thoughts were so jumbled and, and it, it just, it just stirs up everything, you Mm. know? So the counselor would validate, no, you're doing the right thing. You got to stay on this path, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it's worth whatever you have to do to get some help, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And that's totally my opinion, but that's the only way I got through it, mm-hmm. you know, apart from talking to people in the grocery store who didn't want to listen. <laughs> well, but good for you because most of us do the opposite and don't tell anybody. What about your husband? Did he have people that he talked to you about what was going on? Did he keep it to himself? He is a keep it to himself mm-hmm. person and, uh, he probably never to the, I mean, maybe now that we have other friends whose kids have gone through stuff, but he never, no, no, he, he made excuses. He didn't talk to anybody. I dragged him to the, uh, our minister many times. I dragged him to, um, I wish I could think of the name of that group, but anyway, uh, no, no, he, he bottled it up. He bottled it up. But he did say to me, what can I do? What can I do? And that's when I said to him, you can be with him. He needs you to be with him. And so that's when my husband took up hunting, which he had never in his life done. 
uh, because I was taking, my son loved to fish, and I was taking my son trout fishing, and I was taking my son to gun ranges so he could mm-hmm. shoot. And I was like, you need to be, you need to be with him mm-hmm. because he needs to, he, he needs you to be with him. Mm-hmm. So, but no, he never talked. He didn't even want to talk to me about it. Mm. How do you think that that affected him? My husband? Yeah. I think he felt like he was a failure. Mm. I think he always felt like he failed him. You mm. know, I gave up feeling that way a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But my husband, I think, always feels like he failed him because mm. he still compensates. He still mm. does. He compensates. I'm sorry. Yeah. For him. Because, boy, if anything we know, we we have no control over no. that. <laughs> no. And um, he's just not a talker, so unless you're talking what he wants to talk about. (laughs) I was going to say, I think he talks. But do you have any other final thoughts, anything else that you want to address that we haven't talked about? Just one thing that I, I would say to anybody it's really easy to not like your child, Mm. but it's really, really, really important that you always show love, Mm. that you pat them on the shoulder, that you hug them if they'll let you, that you, um, that you show them love because they're hurting in a way that we can't imagine unless we've ever been there. Mm -hmm. And, and they just, I think the only thing that can pull them out of it is the love of somebody. And I don't know what fraction I had in that or what fraction my husband had in that. But to be unloved and to be that miserable has to be awful. Mm. So just a note, a touch, a special treat, just just show them love that doesn't have any attachments Mm. to it, just love. It's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to love an unlovable person, Mm. but... Sometimes you have to. Mm-hmm. Alice, thank you so very much for being willing to share your story and offer hope to parents who might be going through a similar situation or maybe going through something like this in the future. I really appreciate you being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to do it. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Once you smile again, take away that pain and them clouds that keep covering up the sun. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain and them clouds that keep covering up the sun. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.